0: Caught touchdown! Kansas City! Hey, Chiefs Kingdom, we have you covered. Joining Sports Daily Live, executive producer of the Chiefs Radio Network, Dan Israel.
2: Oh man, what great timing for our weekly chat with Dan Israel, which we always appreciate here on Sports Daily. Uh, you heard uh, Dan Israel and crew last night on KNSS, the Chiefs radio broadcast. As a wild one, Dan, to be a part of, to watch, to <laughs> consume. We got, you know, we got off-the-field drama. We've got um, cameramen being taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries, thankfully. We have a football game with rules changes now, looking in play, all kinds of stuff. But in the end, the Chiefs get a one-point win, Dan. Where do we even begin?
3: Uh, you know, it's always this way with the Raiders, isn't it? it? It seems like no matter when, how, where, it just Raiders games just seem to take on a life that's beyond football. I don't know, it's crazy, but I yeah, kudos to the Chiefs for pulling out. A, you know, a 17-point uh, deficit is a that's a hole. You, you, it's not easy to dig out of that. And I thought it was fascinating the way the, the whole thing kind of unraveled, where I really felt like the the penalty on Chris Jones riled up the crowd so much Mm. that it got the chiefs back into it and they just they played angry from there out and it worked to their advantage
1: dan first off um how much sleep did you get last night you sound really energetic (laughs) and i'm a little bit surprised by that
3: well you know caffeine is a wonderful drug it's (laughs) not a not a whole lot but it was it's always better sleep when it's a win right
1: there you go. Absolutely. So starting off in that, you know, the, the Chiefs go down 17-0 early on, kind of got punched in the mouth a little bit. And we talked about it earlier in the show uh, today about how it, it was interesting to me, uh, some of the, the defensive play calling uh, decisions that were made early in that game. Like we saw Devontae Adams single covered a couple different times, uh, but really credit to the Raiders and what they were able to do early on uh, to, to really be able to jump out to that lead. So what did you see early on in that game that allowed the Raiders to be able to have so much success?
3: Well, let me tell you, Max Crosby's a handful and Chandler Jones is no slouch. Those two were just, they were running Mahomes all over the field and the Chiefs had to kind of make some adjustments. They were seeing a lot of pressure on Mahomes and it just wasn't the time. I, I felt like one of the sparks that kind of got kind of made the Raiders play a little bit more legitimate was Jarrett McKinnon jet was running strong. I mean, he, he busted a couple of those plays. He had an angry run in there and I felt like that kind of turned the table. It made those linebackers play a little bit more legit where, you know, you got to play the rush first, then the pass, and they weren't just keying off of Mahomes. So I thought the adjustment the chiefs made to kind of, mitigate those two really helped in the second half and and you know they chiefs could kind of start to play their own game there so kudos to them but let me tell you those max max crosby in in particular what a handful this guy is i mean his motor was going all night long it it just uh he's an impressive player man for sure
2: yeah it was there's there's a lot going on with this game i i think at the surface. It's just, like you said off the top, it's the Raiders, it's prime time, it was weird, gotta win. I'm curious for your take on this. I I have had, and I think I still do, even on a night where Mahomes goes for almost 300 yards, I still think this passing game is missing something. I think Juju is not the typical number one... Do they need anything else, or is it on the roster? I just it. it Sky Moore still hasn't come through and, and become a big part of the offense. You know, they Kelsey had his four touchdowns, but he only had twenty five yards. Are we seeing enough out of the other guys to to say okay, this is going to be good enough? And I guess we'll find out against the Bills, who are a much better pass defense than the Raiders. But what, what's your thought on the receiver room right now?
3: Well, I'll tell you, you know, it, it's just hard to underestimate or it's hard to overestimate the value of Travis Kelsey. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Four touchdowns, 25 yards. I mean, talk about just making plays when you have to make plays. Um, So I think when it comes to that room, there is just such a stark, uh, dramatic step between Kelsey and everybody else. And I I hate to think what this offense is going to look like, when Kelsey gets too old to play this game, because I mean, it just doesn't matter whether you think you have him covered or not. He somehow manages to find a way, to get open. And, and, uh, I just continually, continually impresses me. I mean, that's all I can say about him. As far as the other guys, they definitely I think are going to improve as the season goes on still want sky to get in there and, you know, they're not calling his number a whole lot. I'm not quite sure why that is, if that's a, an absorption issue, as we kind of discussed earlier in the season, or if that's just, you know, that's a crowded room, right? And they're trying to make – I did think it was nice that, you know, MBS got, kind of got some – it's like every week they, they're almost spotlighting a different guy, Juju one week, and then, you know, uh, McCall Hardman another, and now this week I thought Valdez Scantling, but he had a couple of – Drops there that I would like to have had back, that's for sure. But it uh, felt like he played well. They were they were giving him the border, and he was taking it, so I like that. I, I don't think we've seen the ceiling yet with those guys, to answer your question. And I think maybe around week eight, let's reevaluate this and see if these guys aren't continuing to get better every week, if they're not continuing to build harmony with Patrick Mahomes and the offensive line. Certainly the offensive line is, you know, that first half just wasn't good enough. They've got to play better than that. It's going to be a tough contest next week. They're going to have an—I mean, there's just no rest for the weary here uh, with the Chiefs' schedule. But uh, you know, they managed to find a way to 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 pull out plays when they needed them last night. And and like I said, I think you're right. They got punched in the mouth, and sometimes, as, as the old Mike Tyson line, everybody's got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. And I felt like they kind of bounced back from that, and took them a minute to get up off the mat. But once they did, man, did they come back with a vengeance!
1: So Dan, I'm I'm less concerned about the the wide receiver room. I'm not as concerned about it as Jacob is. What I'm more concerned about though is defensively, and I really felt like last night that was the really the first time that I feel like Kansas City missed the presence of Willie Gay. Josh Jacobs had a great game on the ground running for Las Vegas. And then in the secondary, uh, you know, of course, Devontae Adams, they had to worry about him. And next week, it'll be Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and, and the, the crew from Buffalo. And in two weeks, Debo Samuel in San Francisco. So uh, that secondary really seemed to struggle at times. Um, but, you know, hats off to, you know, Nick Bolton and Darius Harris. Those two guys play a great game, you know, in in um, substitution, I guess, for Willie Gay. So where do you stand with where the defense is right now, especially as we're leading into a huge game against Buffalo next week?
3: You know, Tommy, I think you make a valid point here. It's been surprising almost that we haven't missed Willie Gay. And I'll throw Mike Dana in on that, too. I really felt like last night was an example where, we needed more defensive pressure up the middle. Chris Jones is very effective, but, you know, we had an injury. <clears throat> we had some, you know, dana has been out now for several weeks, and he was playing at a high level before he went out, so it will be really good to get him back hopefully for the Bills game. But I do feel like that it's the first time we kind of saw the defense struggle at depth, to struggle to kind of keep guys in there. Secondary definitely had a rough night. I think probably one of the roughest nights that I've seen. I thought Reed played fairly well, but the cornerbacks, in particular, just seemed to get lost. And look, maybe that's just a credit to Devontae Adams and Renfro. You know, right? These these are two guys that are, uh, despite them hitting each other, and you know, uh, the pick. That's the thing about the pick play, right? You know, sometimes you don't know who you're picking. Sometimes it's your, your guys, and sometimes it's the other guy. But I, I feel like Devontae just had a, an incredible game. It's a shame that he kind of. Left the field the way he did because uh, he showed that he is a big-time receiver. That catch with a chief on each side of him, chief to the left, Brian Cook to his right, and somehow Carr managed to drop that thing in where only he could get it. It was a pretty impressive touchdown. A little aggravating touchdown, but it was an impressive touchdown. And I think that, you know, Diggs is that kind of character as well right Gabriel Davis burned us bad last year I felt like last year the Chiefs defense Gabriel Davis seemed invisible to the Chiefs cornerbacks so uh next week a total another test they're going to have to bounce back because I felt like that was maybe one of the weakest performances out of the cornerbacks the secondary in general uh that we've seen this season yet
2: yeah I I I we both agree with you on that, Dan. The other big storyline to come of this, and we're you are hearing that it's being reviewed, so roughing the passer clearly in the spotlight. You had the Tua situation, and then this week the Teddy Bridgewater piece of that, and then the Tom Brady call, and then the Derek Carr call, and then the Mahomes and Lamar Jackson no calls. The NFL has a mess on its hands. We won't pretend like it's not a complicated issue, because it is. But as an observer and somebody who's followed the game as closely and as long as you have, what is your solution to this? Is it a review? Is it changed rules? Because right now it's a mess, and it's got to get cleaned up.
3: Well, you know, I, I think the thing that is most frustrating about this, and you'd hear this from coaches all day long is, how do we coach this? I mean, imagine how frustrated Chris Jones must be if we're frustrated about this. He looked to do everything exactly right and still took a penalty on it. And I I just don't understand sometimes uh, how we get ourselves into these. I will say this. I like the idea of review. However, if you look at historically, when the league has decided to review subjective content, meaning – you know, not did a guy's toe hit the white line, but did a guy intend to do this or, you know, did it look like this was more violent than it should have been? Those are very subjective judgment calls. When the league has instigated a a review on those types of judgment calls, it has turned into a absolute wildfire of a mess. I mean, when they did this with pass interference, it just got silly, and it was to the point where – Everything that got reviewed, I don't recall a single instance of pass interference being reviewed and overturned. They just said, yeah, what it it was called on the field and moved on. So I'd love to say review is the answer. I I just don't think it will produce a result. I don't know how you fix it. I really don't. They're going to have to define it. And, And, you know, we spent, I think it was half a decade, maybe five or six years where they had originally defined what it was, what an NFL catch was. A guy had to catch the ball, he had to control it and make a football move. And then they started dialing in all these little nuances into it. And for the, the subsequent few years that they kept changing and modifying and trying to further delineate the rule, it got worse. It got to the point where nobody knew what a catch was, including the officials. And then they, they eventually worked right back to where they started, which is catch the ball, control it. Make a football move. And so I don't know what the answer is. It, it's just so hard. Chris Jones seems – if you look at the grading play on Brady, I, it's absolutely absurd. I, I don't know how you yeah. – and look, uh, look, we got a quarterback that I want to protect. So I don't think throwing the rule out and just saying, hey, he's a runner, you can crush him now. I don't know that that's right either. But I, I wish I had better answers for you. This is a tough one.
1: Well, hey, there's a reason why the NFL doesn't review those pass interference calls anymore. It was an unmitigated disaster the last time that they tried to do that. So, I mean, I think in theory, the thought of reviewing a roughing the passer sounds good. I'm not just I'm not I'm not sure the execution will be there as far as the overall atmosphere and the way that the chiefs used that roughing the passer penalty on Chris Jones right before halftime. Um, I mean, it, it absolutely energized the crowd. I mean, the, the crowd was fairly quiet. I mean, they, they gotten punched in the mouth. The chiefs had early on in that game, uh, talk a little bit about, you know, we've talked about petty Patrick before. And of course, Andy Reed was as angry as I've ever seen him on the sidelines. What in your mind, what did that do to really energize Kansas city?
3: Yeah, I really felt it was a combination of the Jones call, the penalty, and the way Carl Cheffers was treating Andy Reid. I have never in 40 years of broadcasting used an expletive on the air, and I did it halftime. It was that frustrating. I was so wound up in the booth. I've never seen an official disrespect a head coach at that level, and especially when you're talking about a guy with the tenure of Andy Reid. This is the fifth most winning coach in the in the more than 100-plus year history of our league. A guy who hasn't ever been a whiner and a complainer. He doesn't chew on refs. He's a very fair, level-headed, even-keeled guy. He, he has no history for that kind of stuff. And to be ignored like Cheffers was doing was incredibly disrespectful, I thought. And I thought the crowd did, too. At some point, they began to chant, Andy, Andy. So I think it was the combination of the penalty and the way Sheffers was cre- treating Andy Reid that got that crowd right back into the game. And let me just tell you, they're a the player in that locker room that won't tell you that was the spark. That and Jarrett McKinnon running, that was the spark that got these guys going again.
2: Dan it was a wild one and it's going to be a wild one again. We'll we'll close with a question on Buffalo who looked just insane this past weekend. It's the rematch we've all hoped for. Hopefully the Chiefs defensively can get a little healthier, but just as we take an early look cuz we're not even, you know, 12 hours removed basically from the end of last night's game, uh, a, a key to beat Buffalo this weekend for the Chiefs.
3: Well, this is exactly the problem with this season, right? There's just literally no time to even enjoy a victory because you're right back in the thick of it for next week. You mentioned San Francisco playing well now. The next two weeks are going to be difficult games, and I think unquestionably, if anybody's paying attention to, to this season, there were a lot of prognostication that came out of July and June about the way this league was going to unfold, the way this season was going to, Unfold, and a lot of those have gone wrong. The Chiefs are not going to finish fourth place in the AFC West. You know, they're, they're, there's the NFC East is who saw the Eagles being undefeated, right? There's been a lot of like uh, change. The league has has gone a different route this season than what we expected it to. The one thing that hasn't changed is the Buffalo Bills. The Bills are playing incredibly good football. They are super talented. And I think if, if you looked at our schedule in June, it was the same as if you look at it right now, which is right there is the toughest regular season game you're going to play. And, and, you know, pulling out a victory out of Tampa Bay, pulling out a victory last night, those are all great because you want to go into this game four and one. You don't want to go into this game three and two. So to me, this is the maybe the biggest contest they're going to face, and, and, and it really should reveal the character of this team, right? The way they battled through adversity last night, impressive. But they're going to have four quarters of that next week instead of two quarters of that, and I just think it's going to be an incredible game. I would expect it to be equally entertaining. I would expect it to be win or loss for the Chiefs, a close game. I I don't expect, you know, them to, to run away the way they had the Bills to run away like they have with some of these teams they've played, but the Chiefs have got maybe the biggest test on their schedule coming right at them, and there's just no time to enjoy that Raiders victory. It's a shame because Uh, You know, it'd be a nice one to celebrate, right?
2: Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Yeah, no celebration. Like, you got to start on the Bills work two days ago. All right, Dan, I know it's going to be a wild one this weekend for the Buffalo game. We appreciate these chats always. We'll all catch our breaths a little bit and turn the page. Uh, Well, right now, really. That's about it. That's all the time we have to think about Vegas. Here we go to Buffalo. Thanks, Dan. (laughs)
3: That's right. Talk to you guys next week.
2: You'll hear Dan and the Chiefs radio crew on KNSS this weekend for that Buffalo game. You'll also hear Tommy and I, uh, well, you'll hear, you'll see and hang with Tommy and I if you'd like. We're going to be back on the BetQL chat for that Buffalo game, coast to coast, uh, with folks from all over the country. We may have quite a few Bills fans in there, Tommy. So Chiefs fans here, make sure you join us. Download the BetQL app. You'll find us in a chat room for that game. We'll talk about the game. We'll have fun hang talk bets all kinds of good stuff that's coming up as well for the buffalo game much more on all of that as we make our way through the week appreciate dan ezreal uh joining us there from the chiefs radio network okay tommy that's it we've spent our entire time on the chiefs raiders we could continue that but let's talk a little bit about the major league baseball divisional rounds as we continue here on sports daily because they all four get going here uh, today. so we'll break it down as we roll through this Tuesday edition of Sports daily. Turn a loss into a win with BetMGM. Place a one-game parlay wager with at least four legs on any Major League Baseball game. If all legs of the parlay hit but one, you'll get your stake back in free bets up to $25. Log into your account or download the app and sign up with BetMGM to take advantage of this offer all season long. Just opt into the one-game parlay insurance promotion. Then place a one-game parlay wager with four legs or more on any Major League Baseball game. If you miss only one leg on your wager, you'll receive up to $25 back in free bets. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager, Kansas only. New and existing customer offer, all promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements, rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. We talk baseball there. Uh, Certainly plenty of opportunities to uh, bet midweek on the Major League Baseball playoffs, Tommy, which continue today. All four series of the divisional round get going this afternoon, and we are excited about that. You're most excited about the first game because your Braves get underway. Um, it's it's going to be a fun series. We've we've kind of hinted at it, but man, when you look at all the pitching in these matchups, this looks great. I'll tell you, Tommy. Speaking of your Braves, so um, I, I I like them in this series quite a bit. I think um, how how confident are you in them in this series against the Phillies?
1: I feel pretty good about it. Uh, You know, game one starts in like just over an hour from now. So um, I don't plan on getting a whole lot done uh, this afternoon at work, but uh, that's okay. That's beside the point. Um, I I feel pretty good about it, Uh, although if the the Phillies are able to, to steal game one, uh, they've got Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola lined up for games two and three. So, um, you know, if they can get a victory in this game one, they're they're you know sending out Ranger Suarez uh, to the mound for game one. Max Freed pitching game one for the Braves, uh, who's who's pitched really well this season. So, um, you know, th- this first game one is is crucial for Atlanta um, because they're they're going to have to face Wheeler and Nola in two and three.
2: Yeah, I agree. This is a big one. I I do think this, and you know. I I think that this series has a chance to extend out a little bit uh, for what you were just talking about. You know, the Braves are such an ascending dynasty, it feels like. Um, I I feel like this could be a longer series, and I feel like of all the series, this one maybe has the best opportunity for some run scoring. I don't think there's going to be a tremendous amount in any of the series, but I feel like this is a spot, if you're looking – you know, for baseball bets or things or special props. I think I think we may see the most offense in the Phillies-Braves series. Um, there are all kinds of storylines that will be really fun to watch. How much fun is the second game in a young ascending ace pitcher, Logan Gilbert, taking on Justin Verlander, who's been out of his mind good this year? Uh, that one, I I, I I cannot wait for that one. Guardians, can they pull the upset over the Yankees? Doesn't feel like they can, but they're upstarts, man. Youngest roster in baseball in the mix there. And then, of course, the headliner will be the Padres and Dodgers in each game that they play. The two big, massive payrolls with all the star talent and all the things that go in with that series. I just I think each series has its own awesome storylines to follow, and this is going to be a really fun postseason. I, I get the feeling this one's not going to be a dud. We're going to see some long series, close games, high intensity, great baseball for the next month.
1: Yeah, you want to talk about some uh, some bets for uh, the, the games at least today, and, and I've got money on this. And I, Actually, these are recommended bets from our friends over at BetQL. They're saying that they, they feel pretty good about both over six and a half runs in the Mariners and Astros game and over seven and a half runs in mm-hmm in the Padres and Dodgers tonight. Um, so, you know, I, I know that pitching, uh, you know, that that clearly, you know, teams that have the, the most shutdown pitching we saw from the Padres and the wildcard series, they're the ones that typically move on. Uh, but some projections are out there that those two games specifically, uh, you could end up having a lot of runs on the board.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Astros, well, and the Dodgers, they're both the heaviest favorites to win their games. Um, I think, you know, when we look at a run total in that, you're not – because you're not betting on the Mariners to get much going against Verlander, right? You're really betting on the high power Astro offense to get after yep,
1: exactly Gilbert.
2: Um, and and on the other side with the Padres and Dodgers, you're just betting that, my God, there's so many All Stars in those lineups combined that they'll get some runs. So yeah, I think those are those are interesting bets. Um, I I don't know, baseball is a whole wild adventure when it comes to betting. I I always find myself just like okay. Which team is getting plus money on the money line that could win? Like, that's that's kind of where I land on these. Uh, and I don't know who that is today, necessarily. I mean, I don't want to tell you this, but, you know, the Phillies present that opportunity, perhaps. Um, although I like the Braves in that series, so don't get me wrong. And, and I think the Padres probably provide that opportunity. Um, even as good as Urias has been... Is the Dodgers' bullpen, you know, can can they hold down the Padres for long enough? Clevenger's been okay. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do, if anything, today. I, I haven't decided yet. Uh, but I, I'm just excited to throw on the games and have some really high-intensity, high-quality baseball, basically from when we get off the air here until I leave work on TV tonight. Like, at all of those times, I can have a game on somewhere and just follow along with what is a beautiful thing, the Major League Baseball postseason. Far more beautiful when you have a horse in the race, by all (laughs) means, which I don't this year. But I've kind of found myself. My wife's from San Diego, so I'm going to pull for the Padres. I have this affinity for some reason, and I've had it all year, once I found out the Rangers were not going to be contenders, for Seattle. I think I've got like the J-Rod fever and I also think I I think it's a great fan base that deserves it. So those are sort of where my allegiances will lie. As long as the Dodgers don't win it, as long as the Astros don't win it. Well, let me power rank the teams I don't want to win it. And then I and then so number 1 it, is the Astros. The Astros can't win it. Like that's the number 1 team I don't want to see win it. Then it probably goes to the Yankees. Then it probably goes to the Dodgers. Other than that, I'm going to generally be fine no matter what happens. But as long as it's not those three, beginning with the Astros, uh, leaps and bounds ahead of everybody else, I'll be satisfied. You're welcome
1: to jump on the Braves bandwagon with me. No, I will not. Absolutely
2: not going to do that either. Look, I've told (laughs) you that there's this deep-rooted, and it's not there like it used to be, and I actually have so much appreciation for what they're doing They're literally the gold standard right now in what they're doing for what everybody wants their franchise to do that can't spend $300 million or whatever a year, right? Like the Braves are doing what we all like our franchises to do, and that is accumulate really exciting young talent and then lock up that core. It's what they did Tommy back in their glory days, right? They yep. had all this great talent and they kept it together forever. That's what everybody wants to see happen. It's hard to do. And you got to be real bold to do it. And they are, I mean, they're committing a lot of money to young and not unproven players, but certainly young players before they have to. And I think it's the best way to do it. If you can get the talent and they've done that. So I have an appreciation for what they're doing, but I also have a deep rooted and totally unreasonable reason to not like the brave. So I can't, <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't, there's no bandwagon, yeah. but look, if it's the Braves Astros or Braves Yankees, I'm right there with you, baby.
1: I mean, you know, that they, they're, they draft well, they develop well. Uh, and then, yeah, like you said, they lock up their talent and, uh, you you rarely see like major trades or major free agent acquisitions. That's really not their uh, their M.O. Like it's it's draft, develop and sign long term. Uh, and it's it's worked so far for them. And and they you know, they, they just signed Spencer Strider to a long term deal. They've done that a lot uh, over the last couple of years. But I, I want to go back to a point that you made uh, earlier. And, and you were talking about trying to find a team uh, with plus money uh, on the money line. I, I like the Guardians. I mean, I think the Yankees top to top to bottom are a better team overall, but the Guardians are hot and they can pitch and they're playing with house money right now. And so um, at least in this game one, if I'm going to try to find a team to throw some money down who are getting plus uh, on the money line right now, I think it might be the Guardians.
2: Yeah, they're, they're an interesting one. And Garrett Cole has not been his dominant self by any means. And they're the upstarts. I mean, the Guardians are the longest shot uh, for sure at this point, but yeah, I mean, I don't, yeah, I, I don't hate it. I don't, I could totally get on board with it. Look, all the home teams and the favorites could win today. I wouldn't be surprised either. It's just, it it's fun. I don't dabble in baseball like football by any means, but I might dabble today. I haven't, I haven't decided yet. I really haven't studied those lines yet. So we'll get, I'll, I'll look at our BetQL information, and you mentioned the two that they like the most. And I could probably get on board with both of those, so maybe that's where I go. I don't know. But uh, that baseball starts today. We're excited about it. Uh, enjoy it, everybody. Hopefully you've got somebody, you know, that you can sort of follow along with. But <sighs> I'm just glad it's here. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to... You have one more segment here. We'll tie up any loose odds and ends. It's uh, It's been a wild day to try and keep up with the Chiefs game uh, and just dive into all of the things that have come out of that. Uh, so we'll continue on Sports Daily. One more full segment to go. Uh, congratulations, by the way, to Bryce from Colwich, who is the winner of our, I think it's our biggest giveaway yet. You know, it's um, here we go. It's uh, he he got six movie tickets, six tickets to the Wichita Thunder home opener, and a couple of free iced tea coupons from HDO. So congratulations, Bryce! We'll do giveaways like that over the next couple of days as well. Sports Daily coming right back on a Tuesday. We got this Devontae Adams story is going to just continue to grow as the day goes on here. So let's at least get people the latest TMZ reporting that uh, the the worker on the sideline went to the police at Arrowhead Stadium at about 1030 just a moment after he was pushed. Again, this is according to TMZ authorities telling TMZ the man claimed he was the victim of an assault. They say he told them he suffered injuries, though they were, quote, thought to be non life threatening. Thank goodness, right? Uh, they added he was later transported to the hospital. This all sounds like to me it's setting up for a little bit of a lawsuit and a settlement and all that kind of stuff. And Okay. Uh, Adams is going to get suspended and fined by the NFL. I mean, I think that's going to happen, right? And to me, the other stuff may be dramatized a bit, but we'll see what happens. Adams in the wrong I do think there is perspective to find in both angles of the video. not, And I also think he definitely did not do enough to show remorse for what happened.
1: Yeah, he botched the apology for sure. This whole narrative would be, uh, completely different he could have put it to bed last night uh but you know he didn't it was a halfway apology um and you know I, yeah i've seen both to be fair the guy the though filed
2: the police report before he had a chance to see the apology that police report came filed if it came at 10 30 adams hadn't even had a chance to apologize yet so it's not like he was offended by the apology he was he had that thing fired up right away uh, i don't know <laughs> to, i've seen the police uh,
1: yeah i've seen both sides of of the video both angles of it and you know Ultimately, you can't put your hands on somebody. You just can't no, do it. Can't. So like I, I, I don't change my opinion on this, you know, whatsoever. Do I think that it might be a little too much to file a police report and send the guy to the hospital? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I can get on board with that. Um, but I mean, yeah, th- there should definitely be a suspension. Uh, there should yeah, probably that, be a fine. I mean, I think that's, that's all going to happen.
2: happen. Like, there's no question the NFL's got to punt. I mean, that part of it to me is easy. Like, dude, you you can't do that. Whether he ran into you and you didn't see him or not, you can't do that. And if you do, help him up, right? It's like the Matt right. Stafford Super Bowl celebration thing again. Like, this is all probably much easier. And I'm not going to say, you know, look, I'm I'm not, like, not trying to do a holier than thou. I don't know how I would react if I was, you know, mad and somebody ran into me and I'd show, you know, whatever. But that's just the reality of it. Like, can't can't do that. You're gonna get popped with a pretty hefty fine and you're gonna get suspended a game. That's just sorry. Like, there's no we, we, we gotta do that, right? I don't think he's gonna face any legal issues by this police report. I think people are gonna look at that and be like, uh eh, I, I don't know. I mean, whatever it ends up being. Now, the other part of it is if this guy went to the police and and took the time to go to the hospital and require and ask for that ambulance, he's gonna sue Devontae Adams. Oh, I mean, sure. you don't go through all that if you're not willing to, you know, otherwise I, I'm glad his injuries are non-life threatening, but you, you don't go, you, you're asked if you need to go to the hospital <laughs> and he clearly I, uh, said yes. So he's going to detect
1: sue a, I detect a little hint of sarcasm in your voice when you say, thank goodness they were non-life threatening. Um, I mean, I, he got shoved to the ground. Like it's, I don't know, unless he hit his head or something, which I don't know. Um, we can
2: see the video. I mean, yeah. we can see what it, we, we can see it. I, I, so I, I, I don't um, I don't have sympathy but, for mean, Devontae Adams here. But again, I'm happy that his injuries are non-life sure. threatening.
1: I mean, look at look at it this way. Like Devontae Adams is going to get fined, but the, those dollars will go back into the NFL coffers. So this guy, yeah, they use it for charity, right? They use it for charity. Well, this guy is protecting his own, you know, financial outcome mm-hmm. in this. And there absolutely will be some sort of civil lawsuit that will oh, end up in a it. settlement. And yeah. it's it's going to happen. I mean, that's just the way. Um, I guarantee you, not only did this guy file a, a police report, he's probably also hired an attorney. Like, it's just absolutely. You
2: don't go to the hospital unless you have that intention. Like, he was right. Now, maybe he was just so mad and embarrassed that maybe he's got a chance to go, I don't know. Like, whatever. Like, He's going to get suspended. Um, hang on. We got we got news on this. Uh, Jad, how much time do I have? Because Tom Pellicero just putting out something here literally in the last one minute. Okay, so I'm going to read this unless Jad tells me we don't have time. Uh, narrative. The victim is a photographer at the Chiefs Raiders game. At the end of the game, he was pushed to the ground causing injury. He made arrangements for private transport to the hospital for treatment, at which time he called police. The injuries are preliminarily thought to be non-life-threatening. The incident will be investigated by our assault unit detectives. Upon completion, they'll coordinate with the applicable city or state prosecutor to determine any applicable charges. That's from
0: KCPD. Are you stuck on the merry-go-round, buying gravel year after year for your driveway, only to watch it magically? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.